All right, you're here. You survived freezing cold in your own bedroom, right? I'm so glad that you're here. We're talking about hope for your past. You know, there are a couple of things that really mess up our past. One is things that we've done, sins that we've committed, failures that we've had. That messes up our past. Also, the second thing, things that were done to you, sins that someone committed against you, wrongs that were done to you. Those, those things mess up our past like crazy. And it's so interesting because Jesus is gonna tell a story that we're gonna look at this week that really meets both of those head on. When Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven to earth, he dealt with both of those things. Now, what is the kingdom of heaven? The simplest definition is it's where God reigns, where he reigns. And I know some of you are going, well, doesn't he reign everywhere? No, he doesn't reign everywhere right now. Did you know that? There's this one prodigal planet that's <clears throat> up in one of the little corners of this galaxy called the Milky Way. And God said to his creation, mankind, he said, I want you to have dominion over this planet. I want you to serve me and love me and walk with me and do my will. I give you dominion. We fell on our face. We decided we wouldn't do that way long time ago. All of us have done that in our lives at times. And, and uh, so there's this one planet where God's will isn't done. Did you think that some of that terrible stuff done to you was God's wonderful plan for your life? No. That wasn't his plan for your life. His will isn't done on this planet because he gave us free will to choose him or not to choose him. And he won't, when he speaks it, he means it. He doesn't, he doesn't just say things, you know? It's like my mom used to say, I'm not saying that just to hear my head rattle, you know? God doesn't do that. So he's very intent on, on what he, he tells us. Now, God is sovereign, so what God does is even though his will is not always accomplished on this planet, he's sovereign. What he said he'll do, he will work in spite of that. If you're a, a believer, if you are a, a child of his, as you walk with him, he'll work in spite of that and turn it to good for you and do something good out of it. Now, it's really important that we get that understanding of what's actually going on on this planet because there's one thing that we're gonna find out just stops his will cold and stops his sovereignty from even being able to turn it to good for us because it violates one of his basic laws of the universe. We're gonna look at that this morning. You know, there's never gonna be a man-made utopia. It's always gonna turn into kind of like a North Korea. It started out as a dream. Now it's a nightmare but that's because of what's inside of us, you know? And so this utopia enforced from the outside is never gonna work. That is not how Jesus even planned to do it. What Jesus did, he said, I'm bringing life change person by person. I'm bringing the kingdom of God to bear in your heart. I'm bringing the kingdom of God to action in your heart. So there are places on this planet that God reigns. It's in the hearts of those of us who are believers, who have stepped in, to this relationship with him. 
See, God wants to establish the kingdom of heaven right here, right now, in our hearts, in your heart, in my heart. Listen to what Jesus said. Early in his ministry, Jesus began to tell people, turn to God and change the way you think and act because the kingdom of heaven is near, literally at hand, has come. The kingdom of heaven is here among us. Another place, Luke 17, 21, he says, the kingdom is not discovered in one place or another. God's kingdom realm is already expanding within some of you. So he's talking about it being on the inside of us. So we're gonna look at this story this morning that Jesus tells. It's called a parable. A parable is an earthly story using earthly things that describe what heaven is like or a heavenly concept that we wouldn't be able to get otherwise. And here's what Jesus is saying first off in this story. He's saying the kingdom of heaven appears to me as I simply receive Jesus' gift to me. Let's look at that. He says this in Matthew 18, 23 and following. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king. So he says, if you wanna know what the kingdom of heaven is like, and he gives us lots of different stories about what it's like. This is a major one that deals with our past though. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he'd begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now, 10,000 talents, that was a measure of, of, it was really, it was basically the largest unit of currency at the time of Jesus in the Roman Empire, a talent. Not talking about talents like I can sing, I can dance, right? It's talking about a measure of currency. A talent was worth about 20 years of a day laborer's wage. So it would take a day laborer 20 years of work to earn a talent. That's how big it was, okay? And this guy owed the king, what, 10 thousand talents. So basically, he only owed the king 200,000 years of work, right? No big deal. Actually, what Jesus is trying to say is this is an an unpayable uh, amount. In fact, 10,000 was the largest unit of currency in the Greek language. So, I mean, the the largest number. So you use the largest number, the largest currency. It's like saying this guy owed like $20 trillion, you know? So the slave fell to the ground, prostrated himself before the king saying, have patience with me. Oh, let me skip back up. I skipped a little bit. Since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. That's how they did it back in those days. They would sell you as a slave and your wife and your children, and whatever generations until you paid it back. Well, this guy's whole line was in trouble, right? 200,000 years later, maybe they'd get out of slavery. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before the king saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. The key, he forgave him the debt. 
I want you to notice about this king, he didn't comment on the utter impossibility of what the, the slave was saying. The slave was going like, hey, you know, it's only 10,000 talents. Have a little patience. I'll pay you back, right? I mean, the king could have looked at him and go, You're, are you foolish? Are you ridiculous? You're never gonna pay that back. You, you are so in debt that you're gonna be enslaved for the rest of your life. I don't know what you're thinking. I mean, are, you're an idiot. He didn't say any of that. You know what he said? Very simply, I'm gonna cancel the debt. He felt compassion. I'm gonna cancel the debt. See, some of us that today we're trying to say to God, God, if you'll just have a little patience with me, I'm gonna clean up my life and I'm gonna do what I, I'm gonna try to love my fellow man a little bit more. I, I don't love them as individuals, but maybe as a fellow man, you know, I can do it. And, and God, I'm gonna try to do some good stuff and hopefully, hopefully, hopefully I'm gonna get to heaven because, and God's going like, you owe this huge, unpaybackable thing. You're never gonna get here. So that's what Jesus did. He broke through time and space and he died on a cross for us. The Bible calls it, says Jesus was the propitiation for our sin. That's a big word and we just grabbed it straight from Latin. It doesn't really make any sense in English to us at all. So we we grabbed it from the Latin Vulgate. Propitiation, it just means the satisfaction for God's justice. The satisfaction, see God is completely holy just as well as completely holy merciful. And so his justice had to be satisfied. And he said, the wages of sin is eternal death. It's gotta be satisfied. Unfortunately, all of us have sinned. So what Jesus did, he took our place. God not only forgave the debt, but he paid for the debt. He took our place so that when we say, Jesus, I receive what you did on the cross for me. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be boss in my life. I want you to call the shots in my life. I wanna walk with you. I receive what you did for me. God cancels the whole debt. So Jesus took our place. And this is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. It looks like mercy. He takes care of our sins. But I want you to notice this. The kingdom of heaven expands as I choose to pass on this gift to everyone else in my life. This is really important because Jesus goes on with the story. He says, that slave, you know, that was forgiven 200,000 years of back debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. A denarius was this little coin that they used in that day, and it was what would pay a day laborer for one day's work. You work all day, you get a denarius. A denarii is the plural of that. He owed him a hundred, a hundred days work. He owed him a hundred denarii, and this other guy owed 200,000 years of work. It was forgiven but he went out and grabbed this guy who owed him a hundred days work and he seized him and he began to choke him saying, pay back what you owe. Now, this is interesting because in these days in the Roman empire, that was legal. 
If someone owed you, you could choke them. Don't you wish that was still legal? I mean, you owe me. And so, you know, you just keep choking them until they pay you, I guess. Shaking them, see if anything drops out, right? But it was legal to do that. And so he's doing this. And then it goes on. And these next verses are almost word for word. The verses that we had already read earlier, except the opposite thing happens. Listen. So his fellow slave fell to the ground, trying to breathe probably, began to plead with him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. Does this sound familiar? But he, the slave, was unwilling. And he went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. That's the other thing you could do. You could sell them as slaves or you could throw them in prison until they paid you back. I don't know how they do that from prison, but so when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved. And they came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, so the king summons him back, this same slave. He summons him back and he says this, you wicked slave. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you. And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. And Jesus didn't leave us to wonder about the application because he says in the next verse, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Wow. Okay, so he's describing the kingdom of heaven. Well, I thought it was all lovey-dovey and, 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 and I thought, was, wait a minute, I'm, I'm confused right now. Well, let's look at this a little bit. First off, notice this, whenever someone wrongs you, there is a debt in your relationship. They owe you. You know, we always say that. We don't notice that, but we say, you owe me and what? Apology. You owe me an apology. You owe me. Totally makes sense. So the question is, how far do I have to go when it's them that owes me? I mean, so, you know, I can hold on to this debt and I can make a good case for it. And we wait for the person who hurt us to come on their hands and knees begging us, please, please let me pay you back. And then we go, I'll think about it, right? And we feel justified to hold on to this debt because after all, we're the victims. So we wait and we build our case and the memories of that hurt come and we get angry all over again. Did you know that the human being is the only one of God's creations that can make the past real in present moment? See, the past is not real now. It was real, but it's not real now. But some of you, you had an argument this morning with your wife on the way to church and you're sitting there and making it real again and you're thinking of what you should have said, right? And you're feeling it all again. It's not even real now. She's not arguing with you right now. She's looking real serene at me, trying to fake it, you know, but that's okay. I'll take it. Here's the thing. You owe me 
and I'm going to wait it out until you come begging for forgiveness, and I'm going to relive it over and over and over and over till that happens. All of us here in this room have been hurt. Some of you have been hurt so deeply that when I've heard your stories, I can't help but cry. And I'm as angry as you about your story. And the feelings that you feel right now, I want you to get this. They are so valid. Don't let anybody ever invalidate those feelings. You were hurt. It was real. Those feelings that you feel, that's the only feelings you could feel. They're very valid. But then Jesus comes along and says, my little girl, I want you to forgive. And you're thinking, how can I forgive that, Jesus? You, you remember what was, how I remember I was there. I was there the moment that it happened. My little son, I need you to forgive now. Why would this say that God comes after us if we don't forgive? If you don't forgive, I'm coming after you. I'm gonna summon you back before me. I'm gonna lay it on the line for you because he loves you. Your loving heavenly father knows that to refuse to forgive is to put a full stop to the kingdom of God in your life, in your heart. You see, you might wanna write this down or at least mentally like in your brain, etch it in there. Forgiveness is not for the benefit of the offender. Forgiveness is not for the benefit of the offender. It's not for the person who hurt me. Forgiveness is for me. Simon Weisenthal was a, a, a Jewish man in a concentration camp in World War II. And we've all read those horrendous things. He lost 87 family members, all of his immediate family. Well, in this concentration camp in Poland where he was, he was cleaning out some horse stalls and a, a, a German nurse came and grabbed him and pulled him by the hand he didn't know what she's doing, but he, she pulled him to this little nursing, you know, the tent where they were taking care of, uh, of some of the soldiers. And there was a young SS trooper there, a German, 20 years old. And obviously he was dying. His, his, his wounds were grave. And so he grabbed Simon Weisenthal's hand from the nurse and he said, I grew up, I, I believed in God, I went to church. He said, I, I stepped into this German army and I've done the most horrendous things. And he began to describe how he had torched the houses of Jewish families. And as the families ran out, he had gunned them down, men, women, even little children, along with others of his troop. And he said, I'm dying. And I told the nurse, I have to ask a Jew to forgive me, please, 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 please forgive me. Simon Weisenthal jerked his hand out of the trooper's hand and he turned and he walked away without a word. He wrote it in his book called The Sunflower about how he never forgave anyone for any of that. And 21 prominent people commenting on the book talked about how Simon Weisenthal was right. Like, you, you, he shouldn't have forgiven the trooper in that moment. He should have told him, you can go to hell 
for what you've done because doing anything less would have diminished the Holocaust. 21 out of 21, it was unanimous. But see, Jesus would have disagreed. Why? Because Simon Weisenfeld didn't realize he was offered a gift. He was offered the gift of being able to forgive because you see, it wasn't for the SS trooper. It was for Simon Weisenthal. And he never did it. And he died bitter. God says, I'm offering you a gift. This is not for them. This is for you. And look what happened to the man. If you don't forgive, the tormentors will come and take you away and torture you. God's not gonna have to put you in prison and torture you. You're gonna have the torturers. They're there. Some of you have those tormentors right now. The hidden tormentors of anger and bitterness, it, or it's eating your insides out. The tormentors of frustration and, and, and malice that gives you ulcers and high blood pressure and back pain. The tormentors of an unforgiving heart that sucks the joy every bit of joy out of every aspect of your life. You see the tormentors, they're already there with unforgiveness. So you have to ask yourself a question. This is an important question. Do I want to get well or do I want to get even? That's a really powerful question. Here at Community of Faith, we don't make a big deal about healing and stuff. I don't want this to be a big show but we have seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people miraculously heal when the doctor said there's no hope. And we do it behind the scenes. If you say, I need someone to pray over me, you can just let us know. I'll pray over you. We'll get the staff with me. It will anoint you with oil like the Bible says. We'll pray over you. We've seen miracles happen. But you know what the first question I ask anybody before I do that? Are you holding a grudge? Is there somebody that you haven't forgiven? Because I have seen and I know from experience that it will stop dead in its tracks any healing. It just stops the kingdom of God. Right where we sit. God knows that to hold on to that debt, no matter how deep and hurtful it was, and I'm not invalidating how hurtful it was, is to chain every relationship and your life to that debt going forward. That's what happens. See, the Bible talks about a root of bitterness that, that springs up and it defiles and poisons us and then it goes past us and it defiles everyone around us, our kids and our spouse, people at work. It's ugly. You see it clearly in teenagers today. So angry at my mom. So what are you gonna do? I'm gonna hurt myself. What? What? I'm gonna hurt myself. That'll get her. You see, when you, when you pay back, revenge is kind of like pointing a gun at your heart so that, you know, when it kicks back, it'll hit the other person in the face. Boom. <laughs> How did that work out for you? Not so good. I've seen it in marriages as I've counseled them and our, our staff and our counselors have seen that, that, that anger that you have towards your spouse, it's not really towards your spouse. She just got in the way of the old anger. She just happened to step in front of it. So you're taking it out on her or on him. 
See, Jesus knew that in a, a short time, he was gonna go to the cross. And at the cross, he was gonna do something. He was gonna forgive this insurmountable, unpaybackable thing that we have. All those times we said to God, God, uh, if you'll do this, I'll do that. And he did it and we didn't do it. All those times that we did those things that we knew, <laughs> this isn't right. The wages of sin is death. I told a woman who was having an affair, she said, I feel like it's giving life to me. I said, it's a lie. It's bringing death. Somewhere there's gonna be death in it. It's gonna bring death. And I watched that play out. It took several years. It played out all through her family. Death. But Jesus came on the cross. He took all of that. You see, in America today, I think a lot of times we're not so like amazed. We sing amazing grace all the time, but we're not that amazed by grace. We kind of think God is love. It's all gonna be good. It's all gonna work out. What we're amazed by is justice. But see, God is a God of complete justice too. The Bible says it's appointed unto mankind once to die and after that, the judgment. And it talks all through that in the Bible. Some of you are, are, are in the way of God even having justice on somebody because you're trying to do it yourself. He says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Scooch aside there, little one. No, nope, I'm gonna be God. But you can't be God. It's eating you up from the inside out. I read not long ago about a, a, a guy that he was a, a professor at a, college and he was teaching freshmen and he had his, his syllabus said there are three projects. Each one is worth a third of your grade. One at the be, you know, half really early in the year, one in the middle of the year of the semester and one at the end of the semester. And if they're even one second late, it's a zero. Well, he said the first, uh, first one was due. And he said there was about 10 or 15 of the freshmen in his big class of a hundred and something that said, Professor, we don't have it yet. We, we try to get, it's just like, we're just freshmen. We don't know what we're doing, you know? And, and he said, okay, I'll give you 24 hours to get it in. And, and they did. Came midterms and there was about 20 of the, the class and they were you know, like, it's midterms and we had 15 other tests. And it was just, and, we, and he, he said, I'll give you 24 hours, go get it in. They got it in. He said, at the end of the semester, the last one is due. And he said, it was the most nonchalant group of freshmen you ever saw. About two thirds of the class said, ah, we don't have it yet, but if you'll give us that 24 hours, we'll get it in. And he said, so he went, opened his grade book and he began to go down the line. He said, Greenberg, did you get yours in? No, I'll get it in tomorrow, prof. Zero. And he'd go right down. And Greenberg about that time says, Huh, what? That's not fair. That's not fair. I want justice. Justice, I want justice. So the prof said, Greenberg, do I hear you right? You want justice? Yeah, I want justice. And he said, as I recall, you turned in your first two papers late. Right, zero and zero. Does anybody else want justice? He said, it was amazing. Nobody wanted justice after that as Greenberg came and begged him at the end to go back to mercy. But we, we, 
we, what we do with God is we think, oh, yeah, he's gonna, it's all going to just kind of pan out. In the end. It's gonna, he's a God of perfect justice. And he's powerful with it. And he's strong with it. And Jesus came to satisfy that justice. That's what had to be satisfied. Propitiation, the satisfaction of God's justice. Because the wage of what you had lived when you sinned is death. One sin, any time. We know we've all done a lot more than that. So Jesus came. And here's the thing, as he died on the cross for you, he forgave that unpaybackable thing. And in the shadow of your hurt, you're justified to hold on to that debt. I get it. But in the shadow of the cross, you lose the right to refuse, to forgive. You understand that? God hasn't asked you to die for somebody. He's asked you to cancel the debt. Don't continue to allow people who have hurt you deeply to be the ones to influence your current and future relationships. That's what you're doing. Your story explains your behavior, but it doesn't excuse it. How long are you gonna let people who might not even be alive at this time Continue to define your story and your relationships moving forward. What forgiveness isn't? Let's just talk about that for a minute because I'm telling you, I, I can see some of you are going like, well, I, I'm still, I don't know. I mean, I, it isn't minimizing the seriousness of the offense. It isn't. What was done to you? Unspeakable, horrible what you feel you ought to feel. You have to feel that. Don't let someone minimize it. Well, it wasn't. Don't you minimize it. Well, it wasn't so bad. It was bad. Don't you minimize it. It also isn't resuming a relationship without change. You see, there's a a big difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness happens immediately. Reconciliation takes trust and time. Ladies, if you're married to an alcoholic abusive husband and he's kicked out of the house because of all the things he's been doing and, and, and he comes to you and says, would you please forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. When can I move back in the house? Now that's a whole different story, all right? That's not the same thing at all because that's, I, I need to see some counseling. I need to see some change. It's going to take maybe a couple of years before you get back in this house if you're serious about it. See what I'm saying? It also isn't forgetting what happened. We have this thing we go, well, forgive and forget. How many of you really forgot? You really forgot it? Did you forget it? No, you don't forget it. It's impossible to forget. It's like, you know, if I told you to forget something right now that we just experienced, you'd be like, oh, I can't stop thinking about it, right? In fact, it kind of brings it back to your mind. Forgive and forget isn't possible. Look what God does. This is a good hint. He says, your sin and your evil doing, I will remember no more. Is that forgetting? It sounds like forgetting, but it's not. It's a choice. I will choose not to remember it anymore. He chooses not to remember it. It's the difference between remembering something and 
dwelling and fuming on it. You get that? I'm not gonna hold it to your account anymore. And it's important that we do that. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's not a mood. Doesn't mean we somehow wipe out the feelings. And and we've got to understand that. So how do I forgive? I want you to maybe write this down, at least etch it into your mind right now. This is how you forgive. First of all, identify who hurt you. No, quit looking at them. You don't have to look at them right now. Identify in your mind who hurt you. Some of you are going, I wish we could choke them right now. It's like, that was Roman law, all right? Identify who hurt you. Second, identify what's been taken, what they owe you. This is really important. Don't skip this. See, some of us, we like to act all spiritual. Oh, Lord, forgive all the people in all the world. That's useless. You know, it's kind of like saying, bless all the missionaries and stuff too. Like get some specific stuff. What do they owe you? If you don't know what they owe you, you can't forgive them. Do they owe you money? Do they owe you friendship? Do they owe you some of your time? Do they owe you a marriage, a family, a job? Did they steal your innocence, your reputation? Be specific because you can't cancel a debt you haven't clearly identified. And then number three, dismiss the case. Refuse to hold that debt against them anymore. After you identify exactly what was taken, you cancel the debt. I like to write it out and cancel. Jesus said a word from the cross that was a, it was one of his last words. He, he yelled out at the top of his voice, tetelestai. You know what that means? Paid in full. Paid in full. They used to stamp it on when you got through paying off, you know, your Buick chariot and stuff. Boom. There you go. Paid in full. And that's what he was saying. I paid this in full. You cancel it. Canceling, that's where a lot of us we have trouble because it seems like letting them win again. But the truth is, how can they ever really pay you back? Even if they crawled in on their hands and knees. How, do, how does a man pay a wife back for unfaithfulness. How how do you do that? How how do you pay a spouse back for betrayal or or, or for years of abuse and criticism? How do you do that? You can't do that. How do you pay a, a, a child back for abandoning the family? How do you do that? It's not possible. You can't pay back a missing relationship. There's a, a an emotional element involved in the hurt that is not really able to be paid back, even if you win the lawsuit. Financial is not going to pay it back. The best thing we can do is cancel them. And then number four, forgiveness. Realize it's simply a decision to cancel the debt. It's not a feeling. So get over the fact that you still feel something. Well, I thought I was going to forgive him and I wouldn't feel it, but every time I see him, I want to punch him in the head. Did you punch him in the head? That's just a feeling, all right? And you just keep canceling the debt, canceling the debt, canceling the debt. You see, number five, remind yourself the case is dismissed as often as necessary. And it might be 
a thousand times the first few days. Well, I just missed that. I just missed that. See, it comes back and you want to dwell on it. You want to fume. And what happens is when something will remind us of that, some other event in our life maybe will remind us. And we do one of two things. We reopen the case and we dig into it harder than ever and, and you know, with more intensity and the case against that person. Or we try to avoid it and not think about it. That doesn't work either. The best response is bring the feelings out of the shadows. Whew, I'm still feeling that really strongly, God. Did you know a feeling is not a sin? Did you know that? I feel that really strongly. Yeah, I gave you emotions and that was a deep hurt and you're gonna feel that for a while. Here's a huge biblical truth. And if you miss this, you're, gonna, you're not gonna live the Christian life the way that you could because this is one of the great truths. Emotion follows motion. Emotion follows motion. That's why when the Bible says, what is love? It's always actions that we do. Well, I just wanted to feel a really mushy feeling. <laughs> and then you just fall right out of it. Oh, fell out. You see, you look and say, I'm gonna love my wife again. I'm gonna wait until that feeling comes because I've lost that love and feeling. It's not coming. You gotta act in love. Did you see what Corinthians says? Be patient, be kind. Oh, you go start walking down through that. Love is this, 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 this. And you'll be amazed how those feelings begin to come back. I'm gonna start being considerate of my wife when I feel like it. Ain't gonna happen. You have to start acting. Forgiveness brings the power of the kingdom of heaven into being in your life circumstances. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. Remember, forgiveness is not for them, it's for you. I want you right now, you're gonna probably have a lot of people that you need to do this with, but I want you to think of just one right now. Let them be in your mind. Someone that owes you, that you need to forgive. You're gonna cancel this debt, okay? And I want you to run right down through what you do to do it. You identify them. You got them? You're holding them there? Now identify what's been taken. What did they take? Do you see it? I know you feel it. Feel it right now, don't you? It's okay. Just let that feeling be there. Now I want you to speak in your mind or out loud, God, I dismiss the case. I dismiss this. Not a feeling, not a choice. You identify what's been taken and you cancel the debt right now between you and God. Refuse to hold that debt against them anymore. Remember, I didn't say your feelings. Some of you are gonna go like, it's like the heavens opened and I had some, no, it might not be that way. It might be like, I can't believe I'm letting, Mark, I'm so mad at you now. Having to do that. Remind yourself the case is dismissed as often as necessary today. I've been praying God's kingdom over you. I'm gonna pray it right now. But if you don't do this, you're gonna stop it cold. This is the year that God's kingdom will come to bear in your life, but you have to be obedient in this. This is important. This brings hope for your past. And then God can take all of those things and sovereignly, 
perfectly. He can, in his sovereignty, he can put them together and make something beautiful out of it that you don't even expect, that you can't even see coming. He'll make you stronger than you ever thought you could be. Father, we're your children. Some of us right now, we're not your children yet because we haven't stepped into this relationship. Right now, we receive, those of us who need to, we receive what you did for us on the cross. Thank you that you forgave our sins. We accept that. We receive that with all that we are. We want you to be the Lord, the boss in our life, and we allow you to do that. Father, others of us, for the very first time, we're gonna start to see the kingdom moving, alive, real, because we've stifled it with our unforgiveness. And right now we release that. This is the first of many right now that we're releasing. And I say, come kingdom of God upon us, be done will of God in us. Let nothing stop your kingdom moving through us and all the beauty that that means. In Jesus' name, amen.